Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Happy to Meet Cute. This is Fallon Ballard here with my intrepid co-host, Courtney <laughs> Kay. We both have the giggles, so I apologize. <laughs> but it is what it is. Oh, how are you doing, my friend? My fabulous Fallon. One day I'm going to get to intro so I could say no, I'm fabulous do it Fallon time. for <laughs> Well, I am better now that I'm with you. Oh, we, thank um, you. I miss you on days we don't same. same. And I know I told you I was like kind of feeling like kind of crappy this morning. But yeah. I'm like, oh, I feel better now. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> you know, though, I think sometimes even just like vocalizing um, whatever we're struggling with, it takes so much of the power away. Totally. Makes yeah. it feel a little bit more manageable. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, there is something special about vocalizing it to people who, like, really, truly understand what you're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. That definitely helps. Well, I love you. And you're doing yeah. amazing. I love you. You're doing amazing. <laughs> I said them. Okay. So I made Courtney and I shirts that say, I love this journey for us. And I was wearing mine the other day. (laughs) I was just like being such a bitch to my husband in a joking way. But he was like, he was like, I love this journey for us. And I was like, just so you know, the us is me and Courtney and you're not. (laughs) He was like, Wow. Okay. <laughs> I was like, this is that a and b conversation yeah I was like, this us is not you and me us so don't get any ideas here buddy <laughs> dying that is so something that michael oh. and i would do <laughs> he didn't find it as funny as i did Sorry, man. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> You're like, hey, hey, hey. that's so funny. Then, this was like right after we had put the kid to bed. <laughs> so he came out of his room and was like, what are you guys doing? And Matt was like, mom's being mean to me. And my child was like, I can believe it. I was like, wow. Epic burn, kid. What the hell? I pack you up. But then he was like, he's like, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm like, I know you are. It's funny. Oh my God, that's so funny. Oh, man. Good times. In the that Ballard was my house. cardio for today. <laughs> Oh, shit. oh my gosh all right well <laughs> we're feeling better <laughs> i need those endorphins so that was good yay <laughs> speaking of endorphins yes you were gonna talk about oh yes watch yeah so i i started a while ago uh, rewatching Vanderpump Rules from the beginning. So this was after we saw this whole mind fuck of a season come to a conclusion. <laughs> and I was like, I'm gonna go back from the beginning. Yeah. And I've been like watching here and there. Um, 
and then I got COVID, <laughs> and then I watched like six seasons of Vanderpump oh. Rules <laughs> while I was like isolating during COVID. Which, like, so my husband had it a while ago, and we have this like addition in the back of our house, and so he was just like in the addition and you know stayed back there the whole time. And I was like, you know, if I had to do that, I would like write a whole book and like read my whole TBR and whatever. And that is not how that went at all whatsoever. Um, Like I couldn't even read like the whole time. I was like, I just, my brain was not functioning. So um, yeah, I just turned to Vanderpump Rules. Yeah. Take me away. Take me away. (laughs) I have to say like, for the most part, this show really holds up obviously there is a ton of stuff in these early seasons in particular that is super problematic mm-hmm. and very cringy there is so much slut shaming mm-hmm. that i was like have you guys gone back and watched this because i feel like it's just so bad like with the girls how they talk to each other i just mm-hmm. not here for that at all um and obviously that is among many, many other mm-hmm. <laughs> issues that the cast members have had along the way. Um, but it is just so riveting. And what is so fun now is that I am on the seasons where we're like first meeting Raquel, who of course goes on to sleep with Tom Sandoval and have an affair, despite being best friends with his living girlfriend of 10 years. Um, and it's really interesting to like watch her kind of journey on the show. Um, because she mm. comes on like so like sweet and innocent and mm-hmm. just like all. very naive. And then I'm like, and now you're like a sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> so that part has been really interesting to watch. Um, but yeah, man, it holds up. It's good stuff. Season one of Vanderpump Rules is like probably one of the best seasons of reality TV in history. And the the twists and turns that you go on, and it's only like eight episodes the first season. Um, and it's a wild ride. <laughs> I still haven't watched it. What streaming service is it on again? It's on Peacock. Uh, oh. Yeah which I only have because my mom has a subscription. <laughs> Love so the like, family subscriptions. <laughs> I'm going to need that. But also then I saw the other day that Downton Abbey is on Peacock, which I don't know how that ended up there, but I was like, okay, that's what I'm rewatching next. I really want to watch also the Karen McManus. Um, mm. Hello. Yeah. It's like one of us well, is lying. Yeah. Yeah, I really want to watch that on there. <clears throat> is that on Peacock? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. Um, yeah. So much good stuff. Yeah. Not enough time. What did you uh, comfort watch during COVID? <laughs> Ted Lasso. Mm, I did watch some of that, too. It's so good. Every time I think of Ted Lasso... <laughs> I like get emotional. <laughs> I love it so much. And I love I know. him. Like as a I character, know. I'm just like, mm, I love you. 
Like like the puppy syndrome. <laughs> like I just want to shake you because you're so cute. Yeah, I just want to strangle you because you're so cute. <laughs> Put your little cheek. Um. What um. Okay, so I am in season three. I think we have there four. Ted Lasso? I think so, right? There's only three. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, then I'm almost done. No, that's so sad. So I have Sorry. had it. It's okay. <laughs> um, I have had it on Apple TV. I've only paid for the Apple TV subscription to watch this show. <laughs> yeah. But like, I don't want it to end. So I just keep paying for the subscription so I can keep knowing I have, that I have it. <laughs> I hate to break it to you, but you're going to be paying for it forever because you're not going to only watch it once. You're going to go back and watch it again. No. But there's lots of other good stuff on Apple TV. <sighs> so there's, it's worth it. I did see this new one with like Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston called like the morning yeah, show. Morning that show. looks good. I haven't uh, actually watched it, but I've heard good things about that one. Yeah. I mean, I love those too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know what to say about Ted Lasso, except that it's brilliant. It the is. characters. I knew that I loved Trent Krim <laughs> of the independent. <laughs> Trent Krim. The independent. <laughs> I love all of Ted's dad jokes. I love his puns. I love Roy Kent yelling whistle. I love like Beard being like a secret like psychopath. I love like, but like he's also a good person. Ooh, Nate. Nate has not redeemed himself to me, and I don't have like I. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. I won't say anything. Mm -mm. <laughs> um, I, but I'm almost done <clears throat> I just um, am waiting for them to announce their spinoffs already and I need that to happen oh I hope so because they were very deliberate all throughout season 3 they never called it the series finale it was the season finale and I think when you get to the end, you will see that they okay. have to be working on something. Okay, okay, okay. I mean, I love Keely. I'm obsessed with her. Um, I am still at the point where I don't know where, like, where her relationship status is going to be, like, where, what's happening. Um, so I'm, ex I'm enjoying that journey. Um, I love all of the players. I love Danny Rojas. I love Danny. I love Sam. I love like his dad just came. And I love his dad. And I just love all obviously I love Rebecca and I love Rebecca and Keely. And I just love them all, Fallon. <laughs> it's the, like they're the kind of characters that like they literally feel like your friends. I like, know. Like you feel like you know them as people. I even yeah. love Higgins. I love like I love every character. I know. Except me. It's really <laughs> bothering me. <laughs> like, I want it, you know, that's such an interesting look at character, though, because mm -hmm. we started out loving Nate mm -hmm. and like loving his underdog story. And then, like, the way that psychology can work into character arcs is like so fascinating. And also yeah. understanding 
why this character is making these choices and having empathy for them, but being like, come on, man. Like, yeah, you could have had everything. Like you could have. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that's cool. That's cool to see the writing there. And then on the flip side, you have Jamie, who in the beginning, you're like, is such a tool and you hate him. I know. And now by the end of it, it's like, I would die for Jamie Tart. Jamie Tart. (laughs) Oh, no. I know. So good. So good. It is one of those shows that, like, if you are a writer, you need to watch it because the character arcs are really, truly masterfully done. Yes. Yeah. And all the episodes, they're just so... Oh, are you okay? Oh, my. Winter scared herself. (laughs) She did a little jump scare. (laughs) These cats, man. Oh, my God. Amazing. There's something else. But, yeah, I don't have um, anything profound to say about it, except that I'm obsessed with it. And I love Ted Lasso. And, like, I kind of want to be more like Ted. (laughs) No, you are like Ted. No, I'm not. You no, are the like, Ted Lasso of Romance Landia. No, I'm not. No, yes, no, you are. That. No, but I just like love. I just love him. Like he knows what to say, and he's not perfect, and he just like has his little panic attacks, but he's still okay. <laughs> I really Aww. can't. I really. I. Uh, like I love Shit's Creek. Yes. Because it has so much heart and so much humor and it's so good. But like, there's just something about Ted Lasso that like consumes my whole heart. Yeah. 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 Oh. It's good know. stuff. I know I'm late to the party, but <laughs> I don't care. I'm it here to stay. Matter. Yeah. You came and that's what matters. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even mean that sexually until I heard it coming out. That can't not be an innuendo. Um, We need that on a, on a like outtake. If we ever get like on a t-shirt, and I was gonna be like, oh, I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know how Matt would feel about that. I'd be like, again, this has nothing to do with you. we came swinging today my friend it's a good thing that doesn't listen to this podcast michael does he's like great now he's gonna talk matt and be like should probably listen to this episode michael's like should we have a talk about ryan gosling i mean always like it's fine everything's under control oh my god so amazing (laughs) um i feel like if i had like a mental health like you know those like thermometers like mine was like down here at the bottom and now i'm like the top oh Oh, this is good the diamond dogs Oh goodness. And now we get to follow up this amazing intro with like one of our absolute favorite people on the planet. Uh, I am Alicia, we love you. In a very non-creepy but also obsessed way. (laughs) (laughs) 
also maybe a little bit creepy. <laughs> I like <laughs> it when we just got to meet her at Steamy LitCon yeah. and it was amazing and was incredible. Um, and her new book is so freaking good. Oh, you could say the F word. I know. Sometimes God. <laughs> Roy can't fuck. <laughs> I love how he says that. And as we are recording this intro, we know that With Love from Cold World is a USA Today bestseller. So freaking cool. As Um, it should be. Yes. As it should be. And Alicia, we love you. And we'll be right back. Oh, wait, hold on. Oh. Don't you love going into Target and seeing Alicia at the checkout? That cover is so freaking good. Like everyone, this is my best friend. (laughs) (laughs) Just like to take a picture. I know her. (laughs) Everyone step back. (laughs) Oh my God. I bet you have actually done that too. (laughs) It's the best part. I've taken the photo. I'm like, hold on. Hold on my child. (laughs) My my kid at this point is like, oh my God, mom. (laughs) we're not going by the book section again for the third time in this one target trip (laughs) i mean you have to say hi to all your friends that's just the rules that's right the rules all right wait wait, sorry i'm so sorry (laughs) my child will not be impressed with anything i do in my career until i somehow connect with jenny han oh yeah you can make that happen yeah the summer i turn pretty to all the boys i've loved before that is her like milestone of okay mom here okay mom you're doing okay <laughs> okay all right we'll have to work on that i know so jenny maybe, if you're listening <laughs> so maybe even if like jenny han were to just like like my instagram post i'd okay. be like guess what <laughs> yeah so that's mom of the year yeah okay okay all right i'm done all right on that note <laughs> We will be right back with Alicia Thompson. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Happy to Meet Cute. So excited to be chatting with our very special guest today, who is another member of the esteemed 22 debut class. I just gave us that title, so I hope that we're all on board with that, because that's what we're going to be from now on. Uh, Alicia Thompson is a writer, reader, and Paramore super fan. As a teen, she appeared in an episode of 48 Hours in the audience of a local murder trial, which is basically the coolest thing I've ever heard, where she broke the fourth wall by looking directly into the camera. I need to find this episode immediately. Uh, She currently lives in Florida with her husband and two children. Welcome to the show, Alicia. We're so excited to have you, and I would like to hear more about this 48 Hours episode. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, first of all, I could not be more excited. I listen to your show pretty much day and date the minute it drops. I just um, listen. I do. Why are you already calling me a liar? Okay. (laughs) Like, I hate your show now. Um, No, I totally do. I I was just listening to the Ava Wilder episode, and it was so good. Um, She's amazing. Yeah, I love her. And your Kate Claiborne episode was a highlight to me. Uh, the Anita Kelly episode was one of my favorites. And actually, I kept thinking about how they were like, 
oh, I'm just in my feelings all the time. That was the whole theme of the episode. I was like, I'm just going to copy that and do the same thing because that's <laughs> that's how I'm at today is just in my feelings. Um, anyway, uh, I've already lost track of everything, but thank you for having me. And about the um, the true crime episode, I actually have never been able to find it again, which sucks. Um, but it is an episode of 48 Hours, and there was a local trial of a girl who was actually, at the time, only, like, a year older than me. I mean, I'm sure she's still only a year older than me, because I'm pretty sure she's still alive and out there. <laughs> actually, when I say pretty sure she's still alive, I mean, I know she is, because I Google her from time to time to see if uh, there's any news updates on her. Anyway, I'm getting so far out of Obsessed. Field. This um, is amazing. Yeah, she was, like, a 16, 15-year-old girl. Um, who murdered her mother and holy shit yeah and my mother to her credit let me go to this girl's trial as part of my spring break during my sophomore year of high school (laughs) I was like during spring break I just want to go to this murder trial and then I remember calling my mom from a payphone because this was like in the days when I didn't have a cell phone I just had payphones I literally called my mom from a payphone to be like I think the jury's gonna give the verdict today can I please stay and she was like no I have to come pick you up and so I didn't I, I know, so I didn't get to be there for the um, the verdict. But yeah, I'm totally in the episode. They pan over like the audience of the trial, and it's like the creepiest thing because I must have seen the camera moving out of the corner of my eye because I like I like look over and just in perfect timing I like dead eye stare that camera directly, oh and it's so creepy. It's like <laughs> creepier amazing. than anything else in the entire episode, and it's about a girl who killed her mom, and it's like the creepiest part. <laughs> Oh my god, I love everything about that story. Everything oh. about it. Wow, was she found guilty? Is she in jail? She was found guilty. She has been released now, but she did serve like 20 years. Wow. Damn. Yeah. That's amazing. This explains a lot about your debut. It really does. <laughs> Inspiration. <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah. I. So I freaked out when you said breaking the fourth wall because... Okay, so growing up, I did some extra work, just like I was homeschooled. I homeschooled kids, you know. I don't know. So I, <laughs> um, I was in the babysitters club as an extra, like the original, like the first, like live, and yeah. we were on the Santa Monica Pier for like the carnival, some carnival scene. And I was walking down the pier steps and the camera's right there. And I'm like starstruck, like stars in my eyes. What's happening? Where am I? Every time I walked down the steps, I stared straight into that <laughs> camera. And um, they were like, they kept having to retake for me because of me. And I was like. <laughs> so we yeah, almost you're... didn't get a yeah. Babysitter's Club movie. <laughs> and it was all because of Courtney. Like, (laughs) but when you, I had never heard anybody have that same experience of like staring directly. Well, forty-eight hours didn't retake; they kept it in. They were like, "This is gold." Like, (laughs) this could not be more thematic to everything we're doing here. Get back in, babe. Yeah, they were like, "Keep in that creepy girl that just makes it." Oh my god. This just made my whole day. Me too. Of it's, this giving, journey it's giving like Megan. <laughs> <laughs> oh that. my god. Okay, well on that note, can you please tell us about your amazing second book, which has the best cover I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh I am so god. obsessed with it. Same. Um 
So tell us all about it. Yeah, um, I also do love the cover. I just stare at it constantly. Um, it's called With Love from Cold World, and it is about two people who work at this like fake winter attraction in Florida. So it's winter all year round in this little fake uh, winter place. And it's it's not really a theme park. It's like kind of run down. It's like basically in an old warehouse, and it's just like you can go ice skating and see some fake snow and, you know, drink hot chocolate and stuff. And um, basically, they're both tasked with coming up with some way to revitalize the place from their boss because, you know, it is very run down. Um, and they're kind of rivals at first because she's very uptight and very reserved and he's very like class clown. I'm just here to have fun. Uh, so they kind of spark off that. But of course, they start, you know, working together more and they start falling for each other. And yeah, it's just a cute little workplace romance. I love it. Not little. It's epic oh epic okay that's my right. esteemed <laughs> 23 epic second novel no it's <laughs> did you it's have incredible. did you ever go courtney to santa's village as a kid do you remember those commercials i feel like i went like one time it was this little place like in like lake like a lake in arrowhead LA. um oh, yeah oh yeah yeah. Where they had, yeah. it sounds a lot like that, where they had, like, you know, little winter attractions because, you know, most of us in Southern California don't get winter. So, yeah. yeah. Mm. I love that. I had um, the pleasure of uh, claiming this on that galley, like one of the few titles that, never mind, I won't say that. <laughs> I've been approved. It's all right. From... We, we all know. We all know. <laughs> never mind. Um, <laughs> Okay, so I was, like, psyched to get your book. And um, it's just absolutely incredible. The world that you create, like, feels so whimsical and, like, with a touch of magic. And it's just, like, so perfect for the season. And also so relatable as, like, someone who lives in a climate that never sees, <laughs> like, a lick of winter. So what was your inspiration? Like, how, what did you, how did you create this space and, like, Tell us that. Tell us everything. All the behind the scenes goodies. Yeah. So um, I guess our equivalent of Santa's Village in a way. So first of all, we never, as far as I knew, we never really had like a year round thing, but we did have. So like in Florida, when it comes, you know, around Christmas time, there will be all these little fake winter things that pop up. So like Tropicana Field, where my favorite baseball team, the Rays play, and it's an indoor stadium. It's the it's a bunker, but it's OK. I still love it. Um, they'll do like this holiday winter wonderland every year where, you know, there's just like fairy lights and, you know, a little ice skating rink and it's just really cute and charming. I remember going to one at the, um, the aquarium in Tampa as well one time where it had like, you know, fake snow and then, but it was kind of more like slushy, you know, so you're like trying to build like a snowman, but it's just like slushy ice. You're like, okay, this is, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was definitely part of what inspired me was all these like little fake winter places. And then actually they opened one in Dade City. That was kind of probably my biggest spark for the book where I just read in the paper this thing about the paper, like I'm fucking 85 years old. It was, it was like, it wasn't technically the paper, it was online, but it was the paper online, okay? So I read this thing about like, oh, this snowcat ridge is going to open and it's got like snow tubing slopes and it's got like ice skating and all that. And I remember thinking, literally I saw it and I was like, how the fuck is that going to work? Like, literally, there are snow tubing slopes outside, like under the sky, just outside in Florida. 
And I was on the one hand, very intrigued and very like, this sounds fun as hell. And on the other hand, I was like, absolutely not. That's not going to work. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, and then weirdly that they did shut it down for a little while because of, I think, uh, I think they had some like violations of code or something, which just <laughs> felt, felt like perfect. So actually when I wrote the book, I hadn't gone to it yet. I had only like read about it. So I kind of based my cold world off of this, you know, winter park that I had never actually been to. And it was so weird is that I went to it last uh, Christmas season was the first time that it was open that like I could go. And so I went with my friend and my kids and I was like, this is going to be great. And it was so surreal because it was like my book come to life kind of. But it was like, well, but I created it because of the winter park. So, you know, it was like this weird moment where it was I was standing in this place that in the book I call the snow globe. It's like this little, you know, enclosed area where there's like fake snow and stuff. And I'm like standing in the snow globe, which they call something else at Snowcat Ridge. Um, cause I didn't want to get sued and I'm standing in there and I'm kind of like, this is, this is the snow globe. This is wild. And then what's also crazy is I had already turned in, um, like my final like copy edits and stuff. And there were a couple things where I was like, Oh no, actually I want to change a couple things because now that I'm actually here, now that I'm standing here, there's a few things that I just don't think make as much sense. So I had to go back to my editor and be like, can I just change these like two very tiny details? Cause it's going to bother me now that I've actually been to this place. So it's amazing. Amazing. So does the snow actually stay outside? Um, well, actually, in so the the snow place is like enclosed. So that place okay. is enclosed, and the snow tubing that they have, it's more like kind of ice, I guess. Mm. So it does it does stay, and you can go snow tubing. And then right after I went, like literally, like the the day after I had gone, I was like, oh yeah, we had a lot of fun. I was talking to um a family member who works at like a. I don't know where she works, to be honest, but it's some medical facility. And she was saying something where she's like, oh, yeah, we've had several people come in here with, like, injuries from that. And I was like, oh. <laughs> so, <Oops>. anyway. <laughs> it, is a, it is a kind of place where you have to sign away your right to a jury trial if you want to go. But, I mean, that's that's just that's just how those places operate. In uh, <laughs> Southern California, where I live in Southern California, it stays hot. Like, sometimes it's hot at Christmas, like you're, you know, oh, yeah. sunbathing. Um, but we had, people will bring in like a snow blower truck to a parking lot and like, it's the major attraction, right. Of town. Mm -hmm. So you bring your kids, come play in the snow, quote unquote. And what happens is the snow quickly becomes a like wedge of ice <laughs> that mm. like gets dirty and dirtier and dirtier by the minute and kids are like hurting themselves. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Same thing. So relatable. I love that. Um, okay. So this is your second book. We have talked a lot on this podcast about um, how evil second books are and how much we hated the process of writing ours. Um, so did you also have to suffer through writing the second book or give us a, a tale of hope? That it, was, mm. it was wonderful and beautiful. <laughs> Uh, if you're looking for a tale of hope, then I don't know that I'm the right guest. So I will say this, this was actually a very odd experience in a way, because so when I sold uh, Love in the Time of Serial Killers, I had already written a lot of this book. I don't remember how much, but I had already written like 50,000 words of it, 60,000 words, something oh, wow. like that. I, I was kind of doing the thing that they always advise, which is, you know, you write the wait. And so while you're waiting and while you're waiting to see like if your book's going to get picked up or if an editor's going to want it or whatever, um, you're working on the next thing. 
it was December. And so I was feeling the Christmas vibes. I was listening to a lot of Christmas music. Um, my kids actually even were like, why are you listening to so much Christmas music? You never do that. Cause I had like this little bespoke, my, my kids were into it. My son was like, I kind of like it. I kind of like this new, like Christmassy version of you. I was like, Oh, okay. Like who knew, who knew that this is what they were waiting for. Anyway, so I was I was feeling it. Like, honestly, the first 60,000, 70,000 words of this book flew by. I was just having the time of my life. I was writing it just for me. I didn't have anything in my head about, like, what readers would think about it, what other people would want. I, I wasn't thinking at all about, like, is this the logical follow-up to Love in the Time of Serial Killers? Which is, of course, the kind of question that haunts you later. Um, where I was kind of like, is this what people want after they've read my first book? I don't know that that's the answer, but, you know. Uh, so that was the first 70,000 words or so. And then I just hit an absolute wall with it. Um, and I can't even, to be honest, not to be coy, but I can't even fully tell you all the reasons why. But it just was a brick wall. And I could not, like, I literally, I was so close to finishing it. I actually, I could tell you the exact sentence where I left off. I was maybe 5,000, 10,000 words away from finishing it. And I was just like, I can't. And so I put the book away for probably like seven months. Um, and then my editor or not, I mean, she didn't say this directly to me, but my contract, my editor through my contract said, Hey, the book is kind of, you know, due pretty soon. You might want to finish that old sucker up, go dust her off and go, you know, try to write that ending. So I was like, well, I guess, you know, if I don't want to be in breach of contract, I'm going to do that. So, uh, I really buckled down and finished the book and I ended up really happy with it. And overall, I would say it was a good experience, but um, yeah, for sure. There was like just this giant block right in the middle of it. Interesting. Yeah. How, when you went back to tackle it, how did you, how did you move on? Um, that's a great question. A lot of it was just being up against a deadline and kind yeah. of just knowing like, okay, you have to. So at some point, like you have to start getting your fingers moving over the keys and start actually working through this book. Um, I always knew how it was going to end. So that wasn't really a, a trouble. Like it wasn't that I didn't know how it was going to wrap up. Um, yeah. So a lot of it was just kind of like, I guess, finally telling myself like, no, it's, it's do or die time. So you better sit down and you better actually finish it. And then I basically just locked myself in my room for like, I don't know, a week or something. I listened to all too well, the 10 minute version over and over and over. It was, <laughs> it was the third act breakup section. So it was very fitting. Yes. I mean, I literally just like tears streaming down my face, typing away. My husband's coming in and he's like, holy shit. And I'm like, I'm drafting. Like, get out of here. Like, leave me alone. Holy he was shit. so, he was so like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, just leave my me. Heart. <laughs> right. This is my process. And then um, actually the night, yeah, the night that I finished, uh, it was right after Memorial Day weekend and churches were in town. And I went and I saw the churches concert with my sister. And it was like, just the best. It was like the best way to be like, I'm done. I finished it. I'm not going to be sued for breach of contract. I'm not going to have to give my money back. Uh, <laughs> and just went to this concert. It was delightful. Oh, amazing. Wow. There, like, I have actually a very, like, visceral reaction to knowing what it feels like to force yourself to write to yeah. type it's like painful yeah it's, painful. it's hard you have to push so hard through it it's hard but you know it's it, it what i hate is when things that people say i hate it when they're true like when people say like <sighs> the thing right. of, like you just have to sit down and actually get started and i'm like god 
Actually, Damn, that's actually true. <laughs> yeah. Like, it turns out when I actually sat my ass in the chair and put my fingers on the keys and made myself right, it turns out that it was true, that all of a sudden the words actually came. Whereas when I was just, like, dicking around doing nothing, I'm sorry I'm cursing so much, by the way. We fine. curse a lot. Um, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, it turns out when I was just, you know, doing nothing and, and thinking about writing, but not actually writing, that the words did not come, in fact. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it? I feel like there's so, like, so much specific writing advice out there that I mostly don't identify with. But then there's these like overarching things that they tell everyone and you're like, fuck, every time, like, don't read the reviews. Like, mm-hmm. everybody's going to tell you that and you're not going to do it. You're not going to listen until all of a sudden you hit that point where you're like, I shouldn't be reading these. And then that's what you tell everybody else. Don't read the reviews. <laughs> yeah. Like- we all know these things and we hear them over and over again, but sometimes it's really hard to actually just shut up and take the advice and yeah. do, what, do what you're supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is very difficult to actually apply it to your own life. Well, it's the reason why to me, like I really love reading um, like craft books and, you know, advice and, and all that kind of stuff. And even when I don't agree with all of it, I don't apply all of it. You know, I, I don't think everything works for everybody. But there is something like sometimes when you're going through it, you do just need to be told those things again. Like even if you've heard them before, like I just need to read that chapter again about basically sit down and get started. And then it turns out that like the muse will come find you if you're sitting there and you're ready for it. And you read it all the time or you hear it and you're kind of like, oh, whatever. I've heard that before. But then sometimes when you really need it, you just you need to have somebody kind of knock that advice back into your head again. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. That's so and, true. and sometimes there's this feeling of like, yeah, but it's not going to work with, with this. It's not yeah. going to get me out of this time. Oh, no. I'm always like, it no, does. but I'm really blocked this time. Yeah. You don't understand. <laughs> this is like, it. No, no, no. You've never seen a block like this. It's like, <laughs> no, it's actually one of the same five blocks that every writer since the dawn of time has ever had. It's the same fucking block. So, yeah. Aristotle's out there like trying to figure out how to finish the last 5,000 words of his book like we've all done there we've all been there (laughs) right that actually is very helpful to hear yeah yeah okay good turned it right back around (laughs) I love it I mean I did finish the book and it's about to come out so right absolutely there you go yeah and I feel like maybe this is wishful thinking I feel like nothing will ever be quite as difficult as that first time when you're like, I am up against a deadline. There's like money and a contract and all of these things that you've never really had to deal with before. Like all that stuff is on the line with the second book. And I feel like once you get past that, the rest of it is manageable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really hard. I mean, it obviously it, it's a, it's a good problem to have. And so it's kind of hard sometimes to like complain about, I guess, but it's difficult to write with the with readers in mind. And it's something that before you have a contract, before you have books out, you know, whatever, even if you think you're doing that because you want your book to be published or you're kind of thinking of like your friends reading it or whatever, you're not totally doing that. You're still able to really write a book that is pretty much for yourself. And and I think to me, those are those are the most beautiful books. Like what comes out of when you're writing for yourself, it just I think you can tell when you read a book that somebody really put their, their heart and their soul into. Um, and so it can be, it can be difficult once you have readers out there 
uh, to not think about like, am I going to disappoint them? Is this going to be what they want? Is this going to be too different from the first one? Whatever. Mm. You promised I could talk about Paramore. And so I will say that one thing that I actually find very inspiring um, about them as a band is that I feel like every single album, I feel like it's the same. Like it's Paramore. You always know it's Paramore. They sound like themselves. And yet it's always different. Like every album is totally different to me. And I feel like they've allowed themselves to just kind of do what they want. And, mm, and I find yeah. that very inspirational. And so, you know, in my own writing, I, I take a lot of, I guess, like inspiration from that too, of kind of like, okay, you can write all these different books of your heart and they're all books of your heart in different ways, but you can change it up and you can do different things and you don't have to always, you know, kind of tell the same story over and over. Yeah. I love that. And do you find that, I feel like Paramore does what they want when they want, like at their own pace. Yeah. I yeah, love I mean, that about them. Brand New Eyes came out in 2009. Self-titled didn't come out until 2013. After mm -hmm. Laughter came oh. out 2017. Their newest album just came out. I mean, that's unusual. Like to have four or five years in between records is very unusual. They have um, on After Laughter, they have a whole song that's basically just Aaron Weiss from Me Without You singing like kind of under music. You can almost like not totally hear what he's saying. And uh, somebody recently, a friend of mine who is no longer a friend, I'm just kidding. They're still my friend. But <laughs> he was saying he was like, he was like that. That to me is kind of lazy. Like it was kind of lazy to put that track on the record, you know, because it's like it's barely even a Paramore song. And I was kind of like, "Fuck you, you're lazy," you know. Um, but seriously, I feel like whether you like that song or not, I happen to love it. I love me without you, so the crossover was nice to me. But I just felt like, yeah, do what the fuck you want to take this album that like has all these radio tracks and all these bops and all these like really danceable, really fun songs, and then put Aaron Weiss from Me Without You like just talking under music like absolutely do that i'm into it yeah and i think that's cool too i think the further along you get in your career you have a little bit more freedom to experiment and like try things like that and do things that are a little bit different because you know that you have people that are going to support you no matter what and i think that that is like a little bit freeing you know mm -hmm. yeah totally I mean, I think you see it with a lot of, like, authors who have really, like, longer careers than, obviously, you know, our esteemed class of, you know, 2022 has. But, like, you look at Christina Lauren and the way that they've changed and, you know, grown over yeah. the years. And, you know, the thing is, you're always going to have some people who are like, I don't like their old stuff or I do like, you know, I, I love their old stuff and I wish they'd write more like that. Or, like, you're always going to have people who have opinions about which era was the best era of yours or that you should go back to that era or whatever. But I think there's something, yeah, really freeing about being like, I'm doing what I want to do and I'm in the era I want to be in. And if you enjoy the old one, that's great. And you can always read those books. They're always there. Um, but I'm, I'm ready to do something new. I say on my second book, I'm not there yet. I'm just saying, I, I find this very inspirational <laughs> to look ahead and think to it. Like yeah. <laughs> my second book is a freeform jazz odyssey. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm doing what I want. You know? <laughs> <laughs> <Love it. laughs> yeah. it's still a romance it's still like very much the same <laughs> oh my god oh, well amazing give us a freeform jazz odyssey for like book <laughs> three or four <laughs> yeah absolutely that's what i'll do it's all told experimental found poetry <laughs> i love that so much um yeah i like i don't know i like the idea of being able to just kind of like 
fuck around a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And then you find out, you know, yeah. that's, the, <laughs> yeah. that's, the, that's, that's the reading reviews part. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I, don't do that. I don't do that. I, don't no. do that. <laughs> no, I learn. Um, I love the moment when you're ready to start a new project and you sit down and like, I'm at the point, I'm at that point and it's fun to be like, what do I want to write right now with Mm -hmm. where I'm at right now? And like the stuff I've already explored in my books, what do I want to explore now? It's like this really cool moment. And you don't really realize in the moment that you're growing as a creator, but you Mm -hmm. are. And I think it's, it's exciting. And like, that's where I think doing this continues to be inspiring and um, enjoyable. Yeah. It's not the same thing all the time. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you gotta, you gotta find ways to have fun somehow, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's so many things that aren't fun about, you know, writing and about this career and about publishing and all that, that you have to find ways to have fun. And I don't know if I'll get in trouble for saying this. I certainly hope not. But, you know, just an example, like I think at one point I floated um, the idea for my book three, which is about baseball. It's a baseball romance. I floated it by my agent. She was kind of like, hmm, maybe, you know, put put a pin in it. That was her advice. She was like, ah, put a pin in it. And I was like, I will not be doing that. I will fucking write it. And I'm just going to write it. <laughs> and that's what I did. And yeah. I I really love that here book. It is. I'm, really exci- I'm really excited about it. So, you know, Yay. sometimes I think, you know, I don't know. You know, tell you to put a pin in something and you just got to follow your heart. Yeah, Yeah. I did that exact same thing with my book three because I, well, when I first wrote it, it was a holiday romance and my agent was like, ooh, those are a hard sell. I don't know. And she was like, and then she asked my editor and my editor was straight up was like, nope, we don't want a holiday romance. And I was like, okay, well, I'm already like more than halfway through, so I'm just (laughs) going to finish it and then you guys can decide. And it was like, when I sent it to my agent, she was like, oh no, yeah, no, they're going to want this. And I was like, yeah, see, I was right. I know what I'm yeah. doing. <laughs> yeah. I know what it's I'm so talking grat- about. It's so gratifying when that happens. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I didn't have to make it not a holiday book, but <laughs> still, it's fine. It all came together. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there is, you said that earlier, like there's just something special when you're reading a book and you can tell that the author like really loves what they're writing. Like it comes across and it makes a difference. Yeah. For sure. I think one of my favorite things in books that I read are when when people go into like kind of a niche interest or something that you can just tell you're like, this really matters to you. Like this is something you're really into. And I can just tell by the way that you're writing about it, even if it's not something I'm into. I always, you know, feel like I connect with it that way. Um, like just an example, uh, I'm actually reading Ruby Barrett's next book right now. And um I, I can't tell you the title because it used to be called something and then she just announced the title change and I don't remember yeah. the new title, so I don't want to say it, but it's her next book uh, coming out next year. And just as an example, she has this whole like section where she's talking about like lifting and like what lifting like does and, and why there's something so satisfying about, you know, you pick up the weight and you put it down and you just add more weight to it. And it's so gratifying mm-hmm. to know that you can actually see yourself improve. And just because I know Ruby enough through her Instagram and stuff to know that she's really into lifting and that that's something that she does. Like, it's cool to see that, you know, come through in the book. And I, I like those moments. Yes. Yeah. I had awesome. that experience with um, Love Lettering by Clay- mm. Kate oh, Claiborne. Oh, I love that book. So yeah, me too. And you could tell that it was like, she really was into this, uh, what, what I don't know, like calligraphy yeah. and like the penmanship and the artistry of it. Uh, artistry <laughs> um 
but it was cool. And that really came across. And I remember reading like some writing book where it said like, follow whatever like hobby or interest you're into to bring inspiration to your novel because it, like you said, it makes it fun. Yeah. Totally. I love that. All right. Well, what is not fun (laughs) for most of us is having a day job. (laughs) A plus segue. Thank you. (laughs) What a great transition. Um, Which I should put the caveat in there that many writers who have day jobs, which is most of us, um, enjoy their day jobs and continue to work at them because they actually bring us fulfillment and we like them. Um, And or we we need a paycheck. (laughs) Right. I was going to say, I mean, the main reason is, of course, that uh, none of us can survive on what publishing is paying us, except for the few at the top, which good for them. And we all hope to be there someday. Um, But yeah, but you are having experience lately with at least taking a a break from a day job. So please yeah. fill us in on your wisdom and how we can all make this happen. And also oh, congratulations. And yes, like, that's thank you. of you. That's a huge step. How are you feeling? Thank you. Uh, it feels, I mean, it feels good, but I will say just for full disclosure, I'm still like technically currently on kind of my last paycheck from that day job. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, I just left a couple of weeks ago. So it feels good right now because I still have, you know, the money in the bank from the job. Um, but I am about to start paying myself soon. So we'll see how that feels when that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, a lot of it was so my day job was um, in the legal field and it was just super busy. It was just always so busy. And I started feeling really burned out and really just like I could not. I felt like I was not doing my best job at the day job. I felt like I wasn't doing my best job at home. You know, it was kind of like no matter where I was, I felt like I was failing. And it's just not a great feeling to have. Um, And I started kind of looking ahead at my calendar and I started thinking about, I mean, like you said, not like I'm at the top, not like I'm, you know, super busy and have all this stuff going on. But I just started looking at like, you know, you've got to write books, you've got to edit books, you've got to promote books, you've got like, it's a lot. It adds up. And I started kind of looking ahead at like my July, my August, my September and being like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. And just to be perfectly candid, there was just a lot of stuff on my work calendar. Like all of a sudden I was looking at the work calendar and I was like, holy shit, like I don't see how I'm going to do all this stuff. I'm literally calendaring stuff every day for like, now we've got this, you know, trial. Now we've got this hearing. Now we've got this case. And I was just like, I'm, I'm already having a panic attack and I haven't even gotten to this place yet. Um, And so I started thinking about it and I just kind of, you know, looked at various considerations, money stuff, you know, obviously talked to my husband about it because, you know, you have to make sure everybody's on board in your household Um, and just kind of figured out like, okay, well, if we have, you know, X amount of money saved, can, can I just take a break? And this particular job, I wasn't like looking at leaving it per se. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to say that I would have like kind of quit no matter what, but I was definitely like, I don't know how much longer I'm going to have this in me anyway. So the one thing I told myself is like the worst thing I guess that happens is that you have to get a new job and you probably are going to have to get a new job at some point anyway. So yeah. why don't you just give yourself at least, you know, a couple months to just focus on the writing stuff, have only one job for once in your fucking life, um, <laughs> which would be nice. And yeah. So that's kind of what I did. The main thing, again, I can't really share a lot of wisdom per se because I'm pretty fresh into it. But I will say one thing that made me feel very comfortable about it 
And uh, I'm sorry this is going to sound like a sponsored ad, but it's not. It's not a sponsored ad. But I'm a huge, like, budget app person, and my budget app of choice is you need a budget, but there's a ton out there, and so I'm not necessarily plugging that one. It's whatever works for you. A lot of banks even have, like, budgeting stuff built into your account where you don't even have to pay for an extra app. But honestly, that empowered me a lot to feel like I could do it because I was like, okay, here's what the money looks like. And with my budgeting app, I can keep very careful track of like how much I'm spending and what I'm spending money on. And, you know, um, I don't know that that helped me a lot because I have a lot of money anxiety, which is not the best thing to have if you're going to quit your job and try to just write for a while. Those things don't always like go together hand in hand. But that made me Mm -hmm. feel like, you know what, this is doable. This is not it's not that big of a deal. You have enough money to pay yourself for a few months. You can do that. And then when you're done, you have the same employable skills that you had when you started and you can go get another job. Yeah, that's so true. Courtney and And I were just talking about this last night. And so I'm excited that we're getting getting your inside info. Yeah. I mean, and you're still working. Yeah, you you are working. I know. I I keep having to remind myself that because I'm like, well, I'm I'm unemployed now. And then I'm like, you're not. You're not unemployed. You're just you finally only have one job. I'm sure that's a big transition, especially with something that is not like, uh, you know, tangible, like here's a paycheck every week kind of job. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard. And you know, it's, uh, I always, another thing I always knew about myself where I felt like, okay, I can do this is I tend to be a pretty self-motivated person and I'm a very to-do list person and I'm pretty organized in that way. And so I was like, okay, I feel like, I feel like I can do this. Like, I feel like I'm, you know, going to be able to be my own boss kind of, uh, but it's still hard, you know, it is. Cause there are some days when you do a lot and you feel like, did I do enough? There's some days where you don't do as much and you think, yeah, you didn't do enough, you know? And so it's, it's difficult. So, um, so interesting to me because like, I basically have two jobs where I work for myself. Um, and I was telling Courtney this last night is I feel like I've, I've backed myself into this corner now where I'm like used to living off of these two incomes, mm-hmm. which really either one on their own would be enough to support me. But now I'm in this space of like, I'm used to having this income from both of these jobs and like to take one away, I would really have to change the lifestyle that I'm living right now and scale back. And mm-hmm. I think that that's something that I need to talk myself into doing because just looking at my next year coming up, looking at the rest of this year, it's like at some point something has to give and yeah. it's not sustainable to keep doing this for many more years, you know, to keep doing both of these things. So I'm going to check out that budgeting app because I think yeah. that's the kind of thing I need. It, it helps me so much. I'm obsessed with it. I, all I do every, like every morning I drink my coffee and I read ask a manager and I check my budgeting app and I like chew all the numbers up and like get them all in the right place. It actually, you know, if you've read with love from cold world, like Lauren's like the way that she's very, you know, about to do lists and her bookkeeping, it it honestly was like inspired by me doing this fucking app every day Um, (laughs) because I just was so into it. Uh, And so that was a lot of her character inspiration actually. But yeah, I think to me, one of the biggest conundrums is like, I call it like the travel conundrum because it's like, well, if I work a day job, then I don't have any time to travel, but I have more money. 
And if I don't have the day job, then I have more time to travel, but I don't have as much money. Yeah. So it's a very, um, you know, Van Halen music video conundrum if you've seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I adore you. <laughs> Amazing. I love how you how you reference music so much. I love it so much. Um, I, I guess what I, I was thinking about was I'm in almost the opposite position because but I have a lot of the same feelings of I really feel like I'm failing at everything. And I don't think you can avoid that when you're working as much as we all are. Mm-hmm. Like like across the board and then trying to have like a solid family life and be present for your family. Yeah. And it and like eat more than like a popsicle for dinner. <laughs> yeah, know. yeah. But it's like, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult just to do everyday life tasks. And, you know, in, in a society where we have to be more than good at everything to feel like we're valuable, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and keep up with capitalism and all of that. It's like so messed up. But my, I guess my point was I keep reassessing how fast do I want to sell another book because I am in between contracts and I'm working on my pitches, but I'm kind of just, my brain is like, get through this launch, then focus on the pitch and and just let it be and like catch up on your day job. Cause I, I've been at my day job for like 15 years and I love it. And it is like a good sense of security um, that I personally need in order to be creative, I think. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I say that just personally because it's totally different for everybody. Um, but I often feel guilty. Like I need to, I need to catch up. I need, I need time to just kind of get my life back. On track. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, yeah, like totally. that sounds yeah. so sad, but it's, it's true. And no, I love I mean, how it's relatable. Yeah. And I love your path for doing that. And I like it's everybody's going to have their different, I guess, ways of doing that. And I, that's well, cool. And for me, like I said, like I, it helps me a lot to think of it as a hiatus. Like that's, that's what mm. I'm thinking of it in my head is like that. I'm not, I'm not trying to say I'll never have a day job again. And I, I kind of am trying to tell myself too, like if you end up, you know, going and getting another day job, that's not a failure either. It's not no. like, Oh, I didn't, you know, make it as a writer. And so now I have to go crawling back or I, I don't want to look at it that way. It's more just like, I knew I needed to take a little bit of a break. I felt like I was in a position to do that. And so I'm going to do that. But also like you're saying, for all I know, maybe I do actually like need a day job just for not even, not even just yeah. for money, but also for like my own like mental health or for my own creativity or like maybe it's something that is, you know, I'm going to really miss like in my life and I'm open to that. And, you know, I, I'd go right back to it. Um, it would be difficult to already forego some of the nice perks of like not, you know, having to wake up at exactly the right time and commute wow. every day. That's, That's the other thing is my job is not remote. Like it was never remote. Even oh, during yeah. all the COVID stuff, it was always oh a, you get on the cross town and you take it to work and you sit at your desk at 830 and you, you know, and there's something very structured about that, that I kind of like. And then there's other things where it, it was really difficult to kind of balance that with writing stuff. Yeah. Like I remember for a long time, I'm sorry, for no, a long time, 
I was trying to keep those two worlds totally separate. Like I didn't even want my work yeah. to know that I had the writing stuff going on. And I didn't necessarily, I, I've never been shy about saying I had a day job, but I didn't necessarily want to like put all the details of that on, on Maine all the time either. And then I remember actually it was when Love in the Time was coming out and I was starting to like, you know, schedule podcasts and schedule all this stuff that I was like, oh, I kind of have to tell my bosses because if I don't tell them, then they're not going to understand why I, I'm going to start needing just like, can I go home at 3.30 because I have to record this podcast? Can I take a long lunch because I have this interview? You know, whatever. Um, and my bosses were both really sweet about it and really supportive. One of them hilariously uh, was like, oh, actually, you know, my son published a book about this niche collecting thing. And he was like, and he did some radio interviews. So, yeah, I totally get it. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm Great. glad you get it. Um, yeah, it was very sweet, but <laughs> that's, super but cool. yeah. And, and I also think that the bigger thing is, yeah, we do, I think all feel like we're failing in many areas of our life at all times, no matter kind of what's going on. And some of that we have to recognize is it's bigger than us. Like it's systemic. It's, it's not, you know, it's not us. And at some it's point, patriarchy. Like, right. Like one, one step I did, I, I would empower anybody to do this. I used to put, you know, drink, X bottles of water, X like, you know, glasses of water a day, like on my little planner, on my little habits, you know, my little habits thing that they want you to like keep track of your daily habits. <laughs> um, and I recently took that the fuck off because I was like, I'm just not going to do it. I just never do it. I never drink that much water. And I don't even want to tell you the amount of water because it's like half of what they probably recommend you should do. And I still wasn't doing it. And it honestly made me feel bad about myself. But I was like, oh what am God, I going to... No. I'm the same way. I was I'm like, what am same. I going to chug water just so I can, like, meet this stupid thing? I'm not going to do it. I'm So I'm back to intuitive drinking. I'm all about intuitive water drinking. Let me show you. I got these... I got these little post-its. Habit. <laughs> mood. Hydrate. No, 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 no. I'm no, done with that. I'm so done with that shit. I don't want to do it. I posted I... this on Instagram, but I got a planner that has like, it basically wants you to give yourself a performance review every week and say like, what went well this week? What didn't go well? What habits you can improve on? And literally every week I just write, fuck this. I'm not doing it. I'm not giving <laughs> myself a performance review every week. I don't have it in me. So that is one thing is I would say you're probably not failing in all aspects of your life. You're probably fine. And honestly, at some point, I empower you to just stop tracking that shit because it doesn't help. At least to me, it doesn't help. Well, I haven't used these post-its and every time I've tried, it doesn't work out for me. And then I just look at these and I have a bad feeling about these post-its yeah. now. <laughs> Throw them away. Throw them yeah. away right now. They don't spark joy. <laughs> they don't spark joy. Well, at what point is like filling out my stupid post-it just another thing on my to-do list? It's you know, true. like it's true. You know, my to-do list is like check off that you drank enough water. Like what the <laughs> fuck? Like, like I have time for this. What has society done to us? No, it's 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 honestly it's obscene. I'm not gonna do it. This is so li this is so liberating. I love this conversation so much. I literally like just before we started was showing Courtney my like to-do list planner that I use, which to be fair, I only use the to-do list section, but it does have the stupid water cups on them. They always put it on there. Just stop. Just stop. Well, and I I hope it's okay that I say this, Alicia, so let me know if we want to change it. But uh oh. One time, no, no, it's nothing. But one time um, you told me that you have like a master list. 
uh-huh. that you that you pull from. Yeah. And I love that idea because I have so much stuff up in my head that even tackle like it just adds up, adds up, adds up. But to pull from and then prioritize what you need that week from like, do you have like a master document or something that you're like, when you have a thought, you stick it in there? Yeah. So um, I don't mind that at all, actually, because (laughs) I love I actually love talking about to do lists so much. And it is very thematic to with love from Cold World. So I can still pretend I'm promoting my book by saying all this. But (laughs) no, I like, honestly, I fucking love to do lists. And yeah, I basically what I do, it's a little chaotic, but I have a Gmail draft, just like an email to myself. Uh, For some reason, all of my stuff I put in like Gmail drafts. So that's where all of my just like notes to myself go. I put in notes about like books I'm writing. I put in all kinds of stuff in there. Um, And I have one that's just literally called Master List of Shit to Do. That is the title. And I just have, I have it broken down into little categories, like blurbs that I owe, um, you know, books that I like want to read, events that I have coming up, um, friends' birthdays, you know, just everything. I just dump it all in. And I do, I categorize it so that it's at least somewhat organized so I can look down and I can see what's in there. But that's my master list. And then I only feed out every day what I actually think I can accomplish that day. Because Mm -hmm. that's my big thing is it overwhelms me if I look at everything. Like my website Mm -hmm. is woefully out of date. It really should have been fed out on my to-do list probably a long time ago. I do not tell Dahlia Adler. Ooh, do not tell Dahlia. Dahlia. (laughs) No, do not tell Dahlia. Um, Who actually, I sent a copy of my book and she was so sweet about it and and yeah. I was so grateful for her review, but I was also like, holy shit, please don't look at my website. You're going <laughs> to yell at me her. so bad. I love her. Um, but yeah, so that's just a perfect example of something that like it's on my master to-do list. It arguably should have been moved to my do this today list quite a while ago. But know thyself. And I just kind of knew I'm not, you're not going to do it. You're not going to actually do it. You're going to stick it on the list and you've got other stuff that's like more pressing or more whatever. Um, and so I don't even let myself put it on my, t- my daily to-do list because, you know, I'm not ready. I'm just not ready for it. Now I probably should get ready <laughs> before, uh, the book comes out would be good because literally the website doesn't even have the book on it. It says to pre-order my last book. So but, I yeah. should do that. That is like Suzanne Collins in Central Park with a rat icon <laughs> legend status. Like, okay. no, but that is her website. When you go on. It's like, it's just her with like a statue of a rat. And you're like, awesome. This, you could tell this person is just living their best life. And (laughs) I love, I love it. (laughs) All right. Well, you know, manifesting Suzanne Collins money. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Please for you. I I low key hope that, I mean, for many reasons, I hope that Dahlia Adler is listening to this podcast. Um, But if she is. I, she'll slide into your DMs, I think. <laughs> I love <Do> that. <laughs> I actually think of her a lot because my website is woefully out of date as well. Yeah. Same. <laughs> but honestly, what a beautiful brand to have. And like, she's so amazing. She she does so much for authors and LGBTQ uh, plus books in particular. And what a great brand yes. where everybody like whips their websites into shape because they don't want you to be mad at them. Like, yeah. Just what light to put into the Legendary. world. Legendary. I love that. Right. She's like our, like our soccer mom. I don't know. Yeah. Keeping us, keeping us in line. <laughs> I love yeah. that. I was just going to say, speaking of soccer moms, but I feel like that's offensive because it doesn't actually have anything to do with Taylor Swift. But <laughs> <I was> like, 
<laughs> I was like, soccer moms listen to Taylor Swift, right? Is that a segue? Is that yeah, a connection? Sure. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I love it. Let's talk we'll about it. it. <laughs> um, but God, we're like a week post speak now. I will say um, we talked earlier with Timothy Janowski also about speak now. And so mm. I will be a little bit repetitive with myself because everybody that listens to this podcast knows that I don't listen to Taylor Swift. I apologize. Um, but my Instagram was a fire last week mm-hmm. because I have a purple book cover and everybody was posting all of <laughs> Taylor Swift speak now stuff. And I was like, well, I appreciate this free opportunity for <laughs> promo. So thank you, Taylor, for that, at least. <laughs> yeah, you didn't even know you were going to have the color of the moment. I know. I had no idea. I just got very lucky. Um, but we would love to hear all of your thoughts and uh, everything that you want to share with us about Speak Now. Courtney hasn't listened to it yet. I'll throw her under the bus right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really? Only, I've only seen the music video for... Like they're the, doing the heist thing. The I can see you. Yes. Yeah. I I I love that song. I think it's a banger, and I thought it was a great music video. I thought it was it really was. fun. It's very um, impressive how she does her own music videos. Like she writes yeah. them, directs them. I mean, I I think to me that's probably one of the things I love most about Taylor is I just think she's a creative force, and I think she, I, I think especially as a writer, I think she's very inspirational. Just to see like how prolific she is, what a good storyteller she is, how she uses imagery, how she uses emotions. Like, um, yeah, I think you could do worse than to be inspired by Taylor Swift for sure. Uh. I have a lot of thoughts on speak now, but um, probably too many to put all into one podcast, but I will say that I was re-listening to it today, uh, partially to prep for this very podcast. And it did, it got my emotions so close to the surface, which is, I think one of her strengths. Like I just, honestly, like, I feel like my heart is bursting. I feel like I love everyone. I feel like the world is a beautiful place to be in. And I just think that's a great, vibe to have after you listen to a record because I certainly do not walk around all day every day with that vibe so it was nice to be into that headspace um and the from the vault tracks I think obviously Castle's Crumbling I listen to over and over and over because that features my girl Haley Williams on it um it's such a good song it's a really good song I genuinely love the song which is always a little bit of a fear of mine where I'm kind of like oh no, what if like the only vault track I don't like is the one that features Haley or something? I don't know. That's the, that's the kind of thing I, I like legit like don't get any sleep because I'm thinking about it. I'm like lying in bed going, oh no, what if the one vault track is the one I don't like? Um, and then I don't sleep. But I also think, without getting too in the weeds on the history of Paramore, but I think if you know kind of the history of the band and like everything that Haley has been through and you know everything Taylor has been through with her career, um, the whole reason why the Taylor's versions even exist in the first place. Uh, I think the message of that song really hits. Like, mm-hmm. I think when you actually, the whole theme of like, I used to be really beloved and now they hate me and my empire is crumbling and what do I do now? Like, I just think it, it has a lot of extra resonance to it when you actually know what both of those women have been through. And their friendship with each other and the way that they've supported each other throughout their careers. So I think it's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. And like 
probably pretty powerful to listen to as an artist as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right. Maybe I'll check it out. Yeah, definitely. You won't. You won't. <laughs> and you know what? That's fine. That's fine, though. It's like the glasses of water. Just, you know, know yourself. Don't even put it on your list. If you know, yeah. if, if you oh, want to, if it, if it sparks joy, sparks joy now, yeah. you know, then then go for it. But otherwise... For me, it's more the FOMO because mm. especially just being so entrenched in the romance community, it's like inescapable. And I'm like, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. So that's how I feel. I will make my romance confession to you, which is that I have not seen Ted Lasso. <gasps> I know. And it's not that I don't want to see it. And it's not that I don't know that I will love it. It's just that I, I don't know. Sometimes actually when I know I'll love something, I put it off for a really long time. That's fair. Same thing. That's fair. Like I literally, it, right, Courtney? Yeah. Yeah. I literally have um, a whole box of the finished copies of With Love from Cold World sitting in my entryway and I haven't opened it yet. Because Aww. I don't know, there's just something sometimes where I'm kind of like, I just, I just need a minute. I just can't yeah. experience that just yet. I think okay. that's smart, though. Like you know, you know yourself well enough yes. to know when it's the right time. Yeah. Well, yeah. and we've also talked about this on the podcast before um, with Holly James. So, like when you like publishing comes at you so fast, mm-hmm. some days you're going to have high spikes and some days you're going to have low spikes mm. and opening that box of books is probably a very high spike and you know when and when not you are ready for that emotional ride you know yeah 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 for sure oh yeah i really like that sometimes i don't know if this ever happens to you but sometimes if like if somebody posts a review that's like so kind and like just yeah. really gets your book and it's like it's like the loveliest review you've ever read in your life sometimes and I apologize to anybody I've ever done this to but sometimes I engage with it less because I almost like can't mm-hmm. like it's almost like too emotional like I want to yes. like post all this this whole huge response where I just say like how much it meant to me and how much but I'm almost like here's a, just a bunch of heart emojis emojis yes. right. yeah and then I, and then I yes. feel bad because I'm like oh I never even like told you what that meant to me but sometimes Feeling too hard can be scary. Mm. Yes. Do you find too, like, I find sometimes that when I get text messages, like when I have to go through text messages, like I'll almost delay writing the most powerful or meaningful or like heartfelt one, you know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know what that is, but it feels similar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I felt bad um, because, uh, and I, I mean, I, I shouldn't say I felt bad. It was a delay of like a few hours. It wasn't like I ghosted her for, you know, years. But yeah, like a, a friend recently posted like a very nice like post where I had given a blurb for her book and she posted, you know, all this stuff. It was for Jessica Joyce. I'll just say it. I don't know why. Um, I was being so coy about it. I love her. I love her book, You With A View. Uh, it's fabulous. And yeah, she posted just the kindest post about like my blurb for her book and our friendship and all that and I mean I literally it just like sat on red for like four hours because I was like I just can't even engage with that right now like I just can't do it so here's me like posting like just dumb memes and like oh look at Ray's baseball and like just all this different stuff and I'm just like I can't get to you right now Jessica I can't with that that's too much 
I have done the exact same thing. And it's funny because I'll actually, it was Elle Everhart, my pitch wars mentee. Oh, I she love her. put up my blurb and wrote the most beautiful caption. And I read it and I was like, going to cry. And then I was like, okay, I need to sit with this for a minute. Yeah. Like sometimes the delayed reply is not like it's, it, it takes a minute to process what you want to say. It's like to distill everything into words. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Love that. All right. Well, before we let you go, we need to hear about what you are working on next. So tell us all about it. Well, um, yeah, as I kind of hinted at before, or I guess just outright said, probably not really hinted, um, <laughs> my next romance is a baseball romance, and I'm very excited about it because I love baseball um, to the very depths of my soul. And it's also kind of a You've Got Mail-esque, like, anonymous, semi-anonymous texting kind of thing, which I'm also super into. That is my catnip. If any book ever has that storyline, I want you to tell me about it immediately because I, I basically need to have it in my life. Um, it's a very see something, say something type of experience for me. Um, so yeah, so it's one of those things where I just, I just really love these characters and I really love their little relationship that develops. Uh, she heckles him at a baseball game and makes him cry. And then, but it's, but it's, but it's because of like stuff that's going on in his life. She doesn't even know that. And then she DMs him to try to apologize, but she doesn't do it very well. And so she doesn't actually like, she doesn't say I'm the heckler and that's why I'm apologizing. So they end up talking and DMing and texting and kind of falling for each other. But um, then of course she's kind of like, well, I can't say who I am now. That feels weird. Uh, and anyway, it's kind of, it gets kind of complicated, so I can't go further into it, but that's basically my baseball romance. Um, oh my God. I would like that in my inbox immediately, please. <laughs> I can't so wait. Good. I have so many so feelings good. right now. Yeah. He sounds like such a cinnamon roll. And... Oh, he's, he's just the best. I'm really in oh, love with him. This that. sounds amazing. I'm also going to have to hit you up at some point in the future because my husband and I, and I guess now our son gets swept along with that, are going to all of the baseball stadiums. Ooh. Um, and we have not been to Florida yet. We haven't been to any of the Florida stadiums. So Yeah, well, if when you are in the Tampa area and you're at Tropicana Field, please, I will, I would be sitting right alongside you and I will yes. give you a tour of everything. Like I said, it is kind of a bunker, but it is my bunker and I love it. I really <laughs> do. I have a lot of genuine love for it. I will find you DJ Kitty. I will find you Raymond. We will get pictures. <laughs> I will tell you the best places to sit. I will tell you the best food to eat. All of it. Here, am I a baseball it. fan now? Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow, that sounds amazing. That's all it took. That's all it took. <laughs> it sounds amazing. It. Um. Okay. Well, we'll all have to go together. Um. All right. Last thing before we let you leave is, can you let our listeners know where they can find you on the interwebs? Yeah. Um, on Instagram and threads, I am at Alicia books. Those are definitely my two most active platforms right now, especially Instagram. That's probably where I'm the most active, probably too active. And then you can find me on Twitter. Um, but honestly, I don't recommend it because fuck Twitter. Uh, and my account is locked. And if you follow me, it's no offense. I just probably won't follow you back because I'm not even, I'm not even tweeting anymore. So, um, yeah. 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 Uh, so go ahead, I guess, and find me on Twitter. 
Um, (laughs) And then then, uh, I also have a newsletter, which is aliciabooks.substack.com. Which is an amazing, freaking incredible newsletter. Every time I'm like, what is it? What is it? I love it. It's like, it just gets me right here in the chest. I appreciate that. I don't update my website, but I do send a newsletter every week. So that's where my priorities are at. It's mean, I feel like for you comes. and it's obvious. Yeah. 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 Love that. Thank you so much for being here today. This was an amazing conversation. Very much looking forward to listening to this one again. So Yeah. Thank you guys. I really appreciate it. All right. And thank you all for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Happy to Meet Cute. If you enjoyed our podcast, we would love it so much if you would give us a follow on social media. We are at Happy to Meet Cute on Instagram. And also, if you could please leave a review and subscribe, that would be amazing. If you would like to follow your host, you can find Courtney at court underscore k k a e on all social media platforms and you can find me fallon ballard at fallon ballard everywhere you imbibe your social media if you would like to buy any of the books mentioned in this episode you can find links in the show notes and a special shout out to zachary kibby and matt ballard for our amazing theme song thank you so much for tuning in and we hope to see you next time